Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to the Outdoor Drive podcast. This is your boy, East Coast Trev, and... This is Steve. Good morning, Steve. How are you, Steve? I'm all right, but it's 8 o'clock at night, so... Okay. Well, good evening, Steve. (laughs) But if people would be listening to it, they could be listening to it in the morning, so it could be good morning. Well, that's very possible. I'll give Hmm. you that. Weird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome back. we'll go with that. We appreciate everybody who is tuning in to us this week on the Outdoor Drive podcast. Um, Before we get underway, I just want to start off with a quick moment of silence. Um, There's actually two. We actually lost a lot of people in the hunting community this week, or actually last week. Um, uh, We'll start off with um, Chris Eberhardt. John Eberhardt's son has lost his battle with cancer. Um, He's written a bunch of books um, and done a lot of things. So we want to take one moment of silence for him. And also want to take a moment of silence for the two that were lost in Tennessee at real foot, uh, while, uh, waterfowl hunting and they were shot by a 70 year old man. So we would take a moment of silence for them and, uh, bow our heads. So, uh, all their thoughts and prayers go out to their family. So, We'll get the bad stuff out of the way, and then we'll get on to some good positive stuff. But um, for all of you guys that are tuning in, we appreciate it. Uh, If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have a podcast. Uh, If you guys could, just give us a five-star review on um, the podcast app, the Apple Podcast app. If you guys haven't already, go over to your YouTube page and like it, subscribe, notification it. And you know what? Give us a comment or review over there, too. We'd really appreciate it. But so... What's up, Steve? Just rolling along, man. Surviving nice. these uh, wonderful winter ice storms that we got coming through. Yeah, what's going on down there? Yeah, we just, out of the blue, had a real nice heavy freeze last night. You know, half an inch of ice everywhere. Perfect. Sometimes, you know, just that perfect time. When you almost need uh, ice cleats to get across the lawn. In it Virginia. Good, it was a good one. Hmm. So. It's odd. Other than that, not a whole lot. Just working and uh, waiting to quit seeing deer with horns. Yeah, I knew you're telling me, man. Tons of shed hunting and just not really coming up with what I need to come up with. You know? Yeah. It sucks. Seeing a lot down the road the into, Yeah, cruised down the road the other day, and I think I saw seven bucks and seven miles all still packing. Ugh. And I was like, come on, man. And one of them's right in a prime spot that I'm just waiting for. Such heartbreak. They'll lose them sooner than later, man. It's all good. Everyone's out there getting all tore up and wasted, and they're they're really just looking for sheds for no damn reason. And I love it. Get them all worn out and beat the shit until they actually hit the ground. So I'm good yeah. for that. But, yeah, I, I usually don't start traditionally looking for another week mm-hmm. at the time this comes out. But uh, I don't know. There were a couple flukes where some – some big deer drop big horns real early this year. So, yeah. And 
normally for me it's Valentine's Day, but now having the pup, I mean, I just got to run her as much as I possibly can and just hope that we find something that's already been on the ground or I kind of put a dummy out there or whatever the case may be just to kind of get that training underway. Definitely. And she's coming along too, dude. She looks good. Yeah. I mean, it's just stupid little things, you know, like kind of, she's kind of working close, kind of got to try and get her to push out, but it's just kind of security thing, kind of doing a couple of different little things. Like uh, I'm throwing a ball or acting like I'm throwing a ball and then having her try and find it. Uh, Stupid little things like that, just to try and get her away from me a little bit. She's been doing better every day. She's progressively getting better and better, but hopefully over time, I mean, it's not finding the bone. I mean, she finds plenty of bone. It's just, and it's not like she's not finding antlers because I'm not finding antlers. So it's not like she's missing <laughs> yeah. anything, you know, right. but you can't find what's not there. Yeah. So, and it's not, it's so weird. Like you, you watch all these posts on the internet and everyone's like, Oh yeah, I found last year's shed. I can't even find a bone, not a bone, <laughs> not one fucking antler. Can I find whether old, new, this, that, and the other thing just can't find it. Yeah. But you're I, also up there in that squirrel patch. So you probably don't have many leftovers from last year. No, no, we never. Well, and the thing too. All right. So a lot of the areas I go, I go into areas that you can't hunt right now. Cause I'm right. not going to go into my good woods and scout and do all that stuff until after all the horns are on the ground. Then I go in and I scout and then I shed hunt all my good areas. Um, so I don't want to push shit around, but that's just me. You know, I'll go in all the areas that everybody else goes into now and try and find the horns. And then I'll go into my areas and then do all my scouting and stuff as the season goes on. But gotcha. Um, just my personal way of doing things. But we'll see what happens, man. We still got a little bit of waterfowl season left here. Got goose season. And then uh, a little bit of that until the end of February. And then we've been doing really well, believe it or not. So we'll beat that up for a little bit. But I'd rather be in the woodshed hunting, to be honest with you. Try and finish yeah. up all the euros, get get the skulls back to everybody and then get on our way. Get that itch out of the way. Keep you occupied. Get uh, prepped and in shape for turkey season. Oh, I cannot wait. It's cannot coming, wait. coming quick. It can't. I'm just, we, we need to get, sit down and punch out a date <laughs> <laughs> for uh, Virginia time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely work on it. So mm. I know uh, right now we're working tentatively to, try to get Andrew to come up here and try to get him his first bird. Oh, awesome. So, depending on his work schedule, I think it's going to kind of create the date, I'll say. Yeah, for sure. So, so, Andrew, get your shit together. Let's go. Yeah, he just called you enough out again, around. dude. Enough enough screwing around. We got shit to do. <laughs> we got birds to kill. Yeah, if you're not going to make it, we need to know. Just let's go. <laughs> I Don't get me all jacked up about turkeys. That's one thing I don't play around with is turkeys. I love turkey killing. I'm ready. We got plenty to do. Speaking of turkeys, have you seen the the little ridge runner? I have. They're coming along nicely. I know. I Mark keeps calling me. I was sleeping last night because he's a night owl and I am not. And he called me and he was playing that thing in my voicemail for a while. It sounded great. Very excited for that. Um, and then he called me again today and I was in the shop and my hands were all nasty and then it came in podcasted. So I didn't call him back, but those things are coming along. Hopefully those will be out very soon. They sound very good. So if you guys want to check them out, go check them out. NorEasterGameCalls.com. They are to get them in close. Like Definitely. how I did that? 
You yeah. like how we did that? That was a good. Nice little transition. Mm, weird. Also, the Berserker and the Battleman. If you guys haven't checked those out, go to wildedgeinc.com. Check those things out. They are the leader in mobile hunting. Check them out, wildedgeinc.com. Um, out on the limb, out on the limb, mfg.com. They have some new cool stuff out. Um, you guys that are into the Shakar sticks, they actually came out with the FX series, which are actually a locked-in series where they don't actually – the foot pegs don't swivel. Um, they're actually really badass. I'm a little torn on those if I want to buy a set of those or not. They kind of get <laughs> – little nervous but and then they came out with a new uh camera arm kind of an upgrade of the reach so go and check them out out on limb mfg.com um also the broadside camo broadsidecamo.com they are the photorealism camouflage they do have some new stuff about to hit the market um but go and check them out broadsidecamo.com also timber tumblers they are the custom tumblers for your needs of drinking. They're the shit. If you guys haven't checked them out, TimberTumblers.com. You can also check them out on OutdoorDrive.com. Or is it the Outdoor Drive? No, Outdoor Drive pod, or OutdoorDrive.com. I got to look. I would have to check and see. That's horrible. That is no, really We bad. don't even know our website name. Oh, my God. I'm looking right you guys now. Are kidding me. What? Oh, it's outdoordrive.com. Yeah. yeah, outdoordrive.com. No, no, it's not. No, it's definitely not. It's it's the outddoordrive.com. Yes. The outdoordrive.com. I'm you looking at it right things. now. It is the Jeez outdoor drive. That's why I put it in the show notes. Okay. It's in the show notes, guys. Go down there and you can see it down there. So, um also wicked twisted bowstrings. Uh, for all your custom bowstring needs, BCY and Bloodline series. Bloodline series, no, just Bloodline. The, the Bloodline. The yeah. Bloodline. I mean, I guess you could call it a series technically because yeah. you either got BCY or Bloodline. Yeah. So check them out, wickedtwistedbowstrings.com. Um, also, is that all of them? think so. I'm bad at this. I'm doing all this for my head. So well, we, we we went out of order, you know. Yeah, we did. No, I normally play around with the order, but I'm pretty sure that I got them all. I'm bad at this. This sucks. I should be more into intuitive of what's going on. That's a big word. It's a very big word for me. If you guys didn't know, <laughs> very big word. But no, our podcast today is with your favorite Hooters waitress. <laughs> She's former. Former, right? No, no. She, she. What was the uh, term? It wasn't a waitress. She, she was a trainer. Oh, yes, the corporate trainer. She, she trained the waitress. That's right. <laughs> so your favorite former Hooters, Hooters trainer. Trainer. I guess she'll like that. But anyways, um, we get to dive in a little bit of everything, and there will be a part two with her also because we very rarely got to go or. We didn't even scratch the surface, man. Not even close. Not even close. So we kind of have a good sit-down, deer camp-style chat with her. Um, a little bit about everything across the whole entire board. What's good in the industry? What's bad in the industry? What's going on here, Canada, 
Canada. Canada, huh? Canada. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fuck. I need sleep. You been drinking? <laughs> no, no, no. Unless I'm still hungover from the weekend, but no. Oh, geez. Um, but yeah. Wild Buffalo and crazy geez. times and experiences and stupid social media and pretty much just get started. Yeah. So she kind of fits in with us. If you guys, you guys will therefore find out here in the future. Um, <laughs> well, definitely one of us. Let, let's not keep everyone waiting. But before we do, I need you to crank that up. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, hold on. Hey, everyone. Mike here with some news for your crews. Uh, we're going to start this one off in Massachusetts, where the Mass Division of Fisheries and Wildlife is considering increases in the freshwater fishing and hunting license fees for the first time since 1996. This consideration is due to inflation being up 67% since 96, increased agency responsibilities and costs, and the declining license sales over that time. Without increases, uh, it is anticipated that the Inland Fishing Game Fund would be out of money by 2025. And those funds are used for management of fish and wildlife, trout and pheasant stocking, habitat management, and educational programs like uh, hunter education. So Mass Fish and Wildlife has scheduled uh, three virtual informational sessions for the public to get more information and provide feedback prior to Mass Wildlife putting forth a formal proposal. Those sessions are going to be held on February 4th at 6.30 p.m., February 6th at 10 a.m., and February 9th at 6.30 p.m. Uh, there's also a feedback form and more information available at mass.gov slash masswildlife-funding. And now I have a couple of updates from segments from recent weeks. Uh, the first is Vermont, where I previously reported on uh, educational patrols for ice fishing. So Vermont Fish and Wildlife has now introduced a virtual reality ice fishing clinic. Uh, this is geared towards those new to ice fishing or wanting to learn about uh, items such as ice safety, jigging, setting tip-ups, fish ID, fish filleting, and cooking. Uh, you can find a link to the virtual clinic on Vermont Fish and Wildlife's Facebook page and their website. Uh, and when you're viewing, you can view uh, 360 degrees by swiping left or right on your phone or by clicking, holding, and dragging your mouse if you are on a computer. So now on to PA, uh, where the Pennsylvania Board of Game Commissioners met on January 23rd and preliminary approved, preliminarily approved several changes, including increasing the antlerless license limit for hunters from three to four, uh, eliminating rifle use for fall turkey hunting in response to declining turkey populations, uh, the data shows that 14% of fall turkey hunters primarily use rifles, but rifles are responsible for 33% of the fall harvest due to hunters uh, being opportunistic while hunting other big game. Uh, they are estimating that this change could reduce statewide harvest by up to 20%. They're also making the antlered and antlerless deer seasons concurrent statewide, uh, allowing digital hunting and fur takers licenses to be carried in lieu of paper licenses. Uh, and these changes will be brought back to the commission, uh, to the commissioners at their April meeting for a final vote. 
So lastly, we're going to head to Oklahoma and the possibility of a new hunting season. Uh, Oklahoma Representative Justin Humphrey has introduced House Bill 1648, urging the Oklahoma Wildlife Conservation Commission to establish a Bigfoot hunting season. And no, that is not a joke. Um, the bill would require the commission to set up season dates and create necessary licenses and fees. The Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation uh, has stated that they use science to make management decisions and do not recognize Bigfoot as a wildlife species in Oklahoma. If the bill is passed, the act would take effect November 1st of this year. So I guess my question is, who is ready to pony up the money for a Bigfoot license and tag for this coming year? Uh, with that, as always, if you have any news, feel free to reach out to me, Mike Salter on Facebook, or bearded underscore bowhunter21 on Instagram. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. All right. There it is. The Big news for season, cruise. dude. Big I know. foot season. I can't believe, believe it. I'm going to fact check that. I I love <laughs> yeah, I I was a little I was a little torn up on that and then the funny thing is that when Mike had sent us that and then he was like the only person I know that will kill them is Clint Casper. Yeah. I love it. Yep. I love it. So. Well, well, let's um let's fly on down to Ohio to Hooters. Let's do it. Get All your right. palette. Let's go. <laughs> All right, here we are. brother you're hot all right why do you always tell me that <laughs> if you want to take it that way you go right just, the hell ahead I, I feel good that way no just kidding all right we're back on the phone with steph <laughs> how are you steph how are things oh they're uh they're great i'm just sitting here in ohio enjoying some family time taking a little break from all of the quarantining i've been doing this pretty much for the last year <laughs> That's crazy. Is is Canada a little crazy with the quarantine? Uh, actually, it's not. And you know, we just left to come down here at the beginning of January, uh, much later than we anticipated, but all because of COVID. Um, they just started mandating masks there around uh, the U.S. Thanksgiving time, so really? late November, December, up. You know where we live, it's so isolated. We live in a town of 300 people. You wouldn't even know that there was COVID going on in the world. <laughs> but they won't let us crazy Americans go up there and go hunting, though. That's right, man. They're uh, they're not having any of the Americans coming up there. And I actually had them, uh, someone called the law on me while uh, I was at the grocery store because I had American license plates. And they thought someone was up there spreading their COVID around in their little, 
you know, town grocery stores. Wow. (laughs) I came out to a cop car blocking me in. Like they were not joking around. (laughs) That's wild. Is it, has it really affected like the hunting up there with a lot of the outfitters and such? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, being a professional outfitter up there, um, you know, my husband's been full time outfitting for 20 years almost. Um, this is like his 20th season of outfitting and, uh, we lost 90% of the business this year alone in Alberta. Um, our entire bear season was ruined, um, because, the border not opening uh, through the spring, the summer, and then it extended into the fall. It really affected our waterfowl season where, you know, we have upwards of 100 clients that are just Americans that come up um, in a seven-week stretch. And, uh, you know, from late August through uh, early October, and none of them were allowed to come. So, uh, you know, we had some Luckily, we had a couple weeks of just Canadian hunters that were able to be there. But yeah, it's, it's been a real uh, kick to the dick for him this year. Yeah, <laughs> everything yeah. that's going on. I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. That's nuts. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we turn this key, get this drive underway? Why don't you tell everyone who you are, where you're from, and uh, what you do? Uh, my name's Stuffman Teufel. I'm originally from Ohio. And now I live in Northwest Alberta with my husband, who's a full-time big game outfitter and waterfowl outfitter. And we're kind of gypsies uh, back and forth. And so right now I'm in Ohio visiting some fam while the husband's down in Arkansas slaying geese and um, hanging out with you guys tonight. I'm jealous. I'd rather be in Arkansas to be honest with you, but... (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a fun time to be down there. If you want to go to Arkansas, it's, this is the time to be there. They're getting ready to go into the snow goose conservation season, so it's going to get even crazier next month. And and then uh, we'll be back on the road, back to Alberta again to uh, start snow goose hunting up there for the spring. And yeah, it's like a just a constant cycle of chasing animals from here to there and everywhere <laughs> just living that dream that's everybody's dream right there is chase animals around the country literally yeah multiple countries true. <laughs> they want to step up they didn't just say we're going to travel the country they said we're going to go international yeah well my husband's actually canadian he's he is a dual citizen of the u.s his dad's american but um yeah he's lived in canada the majority of his life um he's been from manitoba to saskatchewan um, and then ultimately in Alberta, where he's been the last, I think, 14, 15 years. Wow. So you get big bucks and then you come down here and kill our waterfowl. Yeah. It's not fair. And hey, and there's big bucks in Ohio too. <laughs> hey, we don't tell no, people. No, we don't there talk isn't. About that. You tell everybody that. <laughs> I told I you. To. Yeah. You talk about Ohio way too much. It's, I, listen, so that all happened. Like I went there. We never hunted there. And then I shot a big buck there. So, of course, I love Ohio. I mean, where I come from, we shoot little bucks. So, I mean, to go there and see what real deer look like, of course, you're going to talk about it. It's definitely worth a drive from Connecticut. That's for sure. Yes. yes. I've made that drive. It's not that bad. So, you get through Jersey and there's deer slaughtered all over the road up there. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> so, the in- state where they don't believe in hunting. <laughs> no. 
they have six. I didn't realize this, and I just realized this listening to a podcast. Is that they have six months on of hunting and six months off of hunting, and you get six bucks. So every month you get a different buck tag, and then there's unlimited does in Jersey. Right, but it doesn't help if you don't have hunters. This is true. You can have all the permits in the world if you got ten guys out there. You're not gonna do anything. You're right. This is true. Yeah, that does seem pretty crazy, but yeah, when you consider the number of hunters versus the number of deer and you see the massacres that are their interstates up there where there are a lot of deer in abundance it's pretty crazy you understand why the insurance companies are probably like you know slam all especially there where the insurance companies are on every single corner right it's like the capital of insurance right new york new jersey right i don't know (laughs) i have not a clue i just made that up makes sense sounded like sounded like a made-up statistic yeah i i could believe it absolutely so step why don't you you do a little bit of writing also don't you uh yeah i've um i've done some writing for several different women's magazines and some other magazines um over the years and most recently i've uh, written a couple articles for pope and young's ethics magazine which one of their their winter issue just came out today um, that has a story about my year in velvet last year is what I called my my year 2020. Um, I had a couple velvet deer that I were that I was after and um, wrote about those in the most recent issue. What state did you take that deer? Um, my whitetail I took in Alberta. Okay, and, and that's why hunting in Ohio my whole life you don't have the opportunity to shoot velvet bucks so right that's always been an ohio girl's dream was to shoot a big velvet buck with my with my bow and uh finally had that opportunity this year um to capitalize on it It happened very quickly which was awesome but um we started the year off we did a trip to maui and we went there to hunt axis deer and velvet. So gotcha. And that was like the time of year to go. It just happened to fall in like the only month of the year that we can take a vacation, which is in March, like between, between all the goose hunting and um, where everything else gets crazy. So we decided to go to Maui. They've got Spanish goats there, the axis deer. And we're like, let's just do it. So we did. And that was an awesome, awesome experience too. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Cause I only know a couple of people that have done it. And from what I hear, it's just kind of, yeah, they're there. Go kill them. That that's really what I've gathered. Is that really the case? Um, here's the best way I can explain hunting in Hawaii. The best comparison I have would be hunting plains game animals in Africa because it's just part of the terrain that you're hunting. You're hunting basically on the side of an old volcano. Um, It's very like steep terrain. It's very rocky, lava rocks everywhere. It's pretty dangerous. (laughs) You really have to watch every single step. Um, But yeah, there's, they have access deer in abundance um, there. And to bow hunt them, they're very skittish animals. So, you know, we actually weren't prepared to bow hunt when we went, um, unfortunately. So we decided to take our rifles and uh, some rifle hunting. And even then, um, you know, 
you want to pick and choose like everything um, if you're a trophy hunter. And I say trophy hunting in more of a conservation term for me, like I want to, I want to shoot big mature animals. Um, so I have no problem saying that I'm a trophy hunter, but you know, we wanted to go and, and that's what we were after. So um, if you're doing it that way, it's, you know, not quite as easy as people would say, I mean, you're just going to go there and pick one off. Now does sure. But if you want a trophy axis deer, like you'll work for it. Gotcha. You'll sweat your ass off too. Cause I bet. It, that never hunted in, you know, 80 some degree temps where you're just like, you know, stripping down while you're walking and hunched and over like the dying. And, oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty crazy. And then uh, when we went after the Spanish goats, um, that was really rough because those goats like to hang out in the lava rocks and you're, I mean, climbing and up and down. And I just kept thinking, man, do not like trip or like twist your ankle or something. I mean, because you'd have a hell of a time getting out of some of these places if you injured yourself. And uh, yeah crazy so it's like it's like no other place that you've ever hunted then oh no no it was amazing i mean you're staying up on the hillside we're up in one part um the back side of uh this volcano and it looked like we were on mars um it also like reminded me like of pictures i've seen people um hunting in new zealand and then you're looking down you're looking down the mountain and you're looking out of the pacific ocean and you just have these beautiful views and this like lush green grass that's like rolling down the hillsides and then you like I don't know just like rock cliffs and stuff out to the water look like something out of the Goonies movie I mean <laughs> I was like where are we because this is crazy because there's so many different ecosystems in Hawaii and you're like kind of hunting amongst like multiple ecosystems so it's really crazy like we got up into one part where we were probably uh, we had to been close to eight, 9,000 feet. And it was like pouring rain, but then you, you know, go down and it was sunny. It was just, yeah, it was pretty wild. That's nuts. So then where did the season take you from there after that? Uh, took us straight into quarantine, man. While we were there, we, (laughs) we landed on the, we landed on the Island on March 2nd. Right. So two days in Trump announces that there's a pandemic and they're shutting the world down. And I'm thinking we're like getting stuck on this Island, but like what better place to be stuck. Right. Than Maui, my husband didn't want to leave. He was like, maybe we should just stay. I'm like, yeah, we're we have three dogs at home. Our friends are cool, but they probably don't want to hang on to our three labs for like a month. <laughs> like we'll never get off this Island or like Gilligan's Island there. Um, yeah, it got pretty crazy. Like everybody's calling, you know, they're like, everything's shutting down. Like, and there was, uh, there were some cruise ships that ended up getting several cases of COVID. And then, and like, they had, I think maybe even been to Hawaii or left Hawaii and they got stuck at port in California when they went back and like all this was in the news. So people were, yeah, sending us all this info. And then while we were hunting the last few days of our trip, my friend sends me a text message and said they shut down Vegas. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like the world is ending. (laughs) Vegas just shut down. That doesn't happen. 
yeah I don't know so it was uh it was crazy so were you like afraid that you like couldn't make it back home because you're like very far away from home yeah and not only just um like home that way but uh we had to go back to Arkansas because that's where we flew out of before when we left because this is at the end of our season down here so we had to go back to Arkansas and then up to Ohio back to Canada like so like there was like this whole (laughs) circular route we had to do when we got back and we didn't know how we were going to do any of it because like here there's no toilet paper people are fucking idiots and going and buying up everything like like the world really was ending and Meanwhile, they're still producing all of that stuff and everybody can wipe their ass with ease. (laughs) But like, I mean, we were going back, like, what are we going to do? We're not going to have food. People were wiping the shelves out. Like it was pretty like unnerving to fly back. And then to have to get on a plane with 700, 800 people or whatever's on these jumbo jets you're flying out of Hawaii on, like after they just tell you like, thousands of people are dying in Italy and like you know I mean just it was pretty unnerving and meanwhile too my allergies were flared up so bad I couldn't stop sneezing so I'm just like (laughs) sneezing 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 on the plane and I was like joking about the whole COVID thing and then I was like oh maybe I shouldn't joke about it anymore because (laughs) people are gonna be freaking out like that's priceless It was bad. Everyone's like fleeing away from you on the airplane, trying to get <laughs> to the back. Well, they probably I were. I mean, I would have been scared. I was already paranoid about everyone else. Like, and you just not knowing what it was really at the time. I mean, this is like day one, basically, of all this going down. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Well, you eventually made it home. So, yeah, we did. And, uh, that was, we kind of had to forego all of our plans. Like um, when we got back to Ohio and all that, we, we, we just had to kind of pack up and call the border, make sure we weren't going to have any issues getting, you know, back and, and we didn't, um, but it was weird, you know, crossing the border when everybody at that point in time really didn't know anything about COVID yet or what was happening to people. So everybody's just super paranoid. They didn't want you to stop for gas. They didn't want you to stop and stay at hotels. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was really kind of like an eerie feeling to (laughs) cross the border into another country, you know, that I'm like fairly new to like, what's going to happen? Am I going to be able to see my family again? Are they going to let us out? You know, that's not just, yeah, just lots of unknowns. Cause you know, you go to a different country and it's, <laughs> you you definitely feel, um, you know, a sense of belonging to where you're from, but when you're in someone else's house, like their laws, like everything, it's just totally different. Definitely was, it was a scary time. That's crazy. But we so, made it. <laughs> yeah, and then you, then you obviously you harvested a pre- pretty big buck. Yeah. Once you got yeah. back home. Yeah, and and yeah, once we got back to Alberta, well, because our whole bear season and everything got fucked, we were able to just like 
scout <laughs> like every day go look for deer and we do our scouting loop and I mean we you know we found several deer early summer and then it was like mid-July we were on this big scouting loop one night and um we got back almost to our driveway and the buck that I ultimately ended up going after was standing in the field right next to our driveway after we'd done all the scouting I mean you know for hours like we'd been out watching other deer that we were like contemplating you know choosing one of those to go after yeah we get back to the driveway it's like well it's pretty dark at this point um when we are getting home and a buck ran across the road and I was like shit there you know I'm like there's a buck Trevor stops and I'm like holy shit there's another one standing in the field still that hadn't crossed over in front of us and we sat there and we watched them and we were like god damn right in the yard like <laughs> I was yeah. driving around and the buck here's the buck I won I was like that's it I was like that's what I'm going after like he's the yard buck like why not I mean I then I don't have to go far from home and um the other reason behind that too and not wanting to really go out um and hunt some other areas uh alone because I'm used to just going out and hunting alone um but hunting up there alone is a little different because there's shit that can eat you up there that I'm not <laughs> familiar with you know I mean mountain lions black bears we're in grizzly country um you know I don't know if I'm prepared for one of those encounters quite yet with a bow. I mean, you know, I don't know what my reaction would be if I were on the ground and something popped out that could eat me. <laughs> so you say you're on the ground, like, so you don't, do you hunt from tree stands up there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know but, if you hunted from ground or. Well, you got to no, get but there the somehow. Walk. Well, yeah. Well, of to course get you got to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. I'm short. Okay. So I'm, I'm only 5'1". So you get in some of these tall grasses or like, you know, a pea field and I'll disappear. And those bears and stuff, when they come out in the oat fields or anything like that, I mean, and you're like down here, you can barely see them. I mean, you'll walk right up on something, you know, if you got the right wind and you're quiet, you know, and you're tiptoeing around, I mean, you never know what you might run into. So yeah, especially you coming from farm country, Ohio, where there's really not anything like nothing. that at all. I didn't even carry a flashlight to a stand. Like I laugh sometimes because I hear a lot of women in some of these groups, they'll like, you know, make a post about, do you carry a flashlight or not? Like I'm terrified of the dark or, you know, and I'm like, I've never really thought about it. Cause I, you know, if I can see by the moonlight, I'm going to walk in without a flashlight there's nothing in Ohio that's going to eat you or I mean really for even snake bite or anything you don't have to worry about that stuff some areas but not where not where I grew up not where I hunted mainly so yeah worst thing you're gonna run into maybe is a coyote but then it's really not gonna bother you at all no not the coyote no but up there, like, it seems like it's like being in Africa with everything will absolutely try and kill you. Yeah. But actually, the thing I'm most terrified of is moose. Because oh, yeah. everybody I know has got run down by one, like, at some point. They've been chased by a moose. 
something and i'm just so really? that's yeah like oh. that one of our friends they even told us just recently like they were elk hunting or whitetail hunting or something and they were coming off of a field and they crossed paths with this moose and it ran him down and he luckily got close enough to his truck he was able to hit the panic button and the noise and all the alarms and stuff kind of scared the moose off oh yeah Dude. moose are mean man they yeah. are territorial yeah i don't and know i just go looking Clydesdale, for so it's like i mean they're definitely intimidating hmm. i don't i go into the north woods and try and find them i don't know i've never had a problem I think our moose are bigger than yours. Really? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. That's Here we tough. Go. Comparing sizes. The only thing that the only thing that I would worry about is in the spring when the little one when the when the cows when have calves. Out. Yeah, and we actually have a lot of those. Like we had um on you know, and some of these are like close by. You know, we we get a lot of moose. We'll have moose that come through our field or whatever. You know, just looking like That's out the back window and you, you know you got one coming through the yard or whatever but um yeah there's a lot of uh there were several cows we had this year that had like twins so they're probably even twice as aggressive than got two That's babies gosh. to look after yeah we had, i don't we had, they don't mess around <laughs> we had one time shed hunting that we had come across a, uh, a cow that would just had a calf and the calf could barely even walk and my buddy mike hits me up on the radio and he's like dude i just seen a cow have a calf and i'm like all right it's time to get out of there dude he's like no man i can't like i got a video of this he's like do you still have your big camera with you i said yeah it's in my backpack he's like meet up with me i'm going back in there and i'm going to videotape it and i'm like you're not going in alone i was like i'll go in with you so i stayed like 50 yards behind him while he was trying to get up to him to get the video and then we couldn't find the calf she had like bedded down in some stuff and then the cow I thought like had disappeared and was like charging us, but like totally disappeared altogether. I was petrified, petrified at that point. That's when I would be worried, but yeah, I would have been pretty terrified at that point too. That's crazy. That's badass though. Like yeah. no one gets to encounter stuff like that except no. for, except for hunters and people that are, you know, in the woods a lot. I mean, you can't see you're it the if you're not people. out there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's one of the that's one of the coolest parts about hunting those like the crazy stuff that you see and hear that you know like very few people have ever heard or seen or will see it's definitely what makes it special so with you traveling and getting to hunt all over what are some of the crazy things that you've been able to see um man because <laughs> you've hunted hard, africa but... you've hunted pretty much all over yeah, Is there anywhere that you um, haven't hunted? Well, yeah, lots of places. Okay. I mean, I like a whole like bucket list of places I would go. Um, New Zealand's one of them I brought up earlier. Like, that's definitely one of those bucket list hunts I want to do. Um, but uh, yeah, Africa was absolutely crazy. Um, just seeing all the different animals and uh, just interacting with them being up close because we were bow hunting um so we had some pretty close encounters with like giraffes and just like crazy huge animals and animals you've never seen before you know like popping out and you're like what the fuck is that um <laughs> like the little dikers and um 
the you know they're just like tiny little baby deer <laughs> little 40 pound deer or uh were you guys targeting dica or no n- well my buddy matt actually he shot one he's got the- a little skull mount of it no it's Did like they this call big. it <laughs> were you guys was he calling to it or no okay. no i think it just came into a water hole because i mean when you're bow hunting they've got you set up in these pit blinds um for the most most of them are pit blinds so they're like three quarters of the way in the ground you know and you've just got like the windows above the ground and uh you'll hunt over a water hole but some of these animals only drink water every three days maybe so there's no guarantee that you're going to see one even though you're on these game preserves but they're like twenty thousand acres so you don't i mean um, you could drive around i'm sure and locate them and i'm sure that's what they do when they rifle hunt there um but yeah the bow hunting was a little little bit different because you're targeting something you know you like pick animals off of a menu essentially like you you know you can hunt whatever you want it's kind of all a cart but like if something came in and you were like, oh, I want to shoot that. And like, you can ask him how much it is and, and shoot that animal. It's kind of crazy. crazy. That's yeah. nuts. Did you have anything, yeah. any crazy encounters while you were there? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were in this pit blind that was out and it was out in front of the, I don't know, like the main house and stuff where we were staying up on this hill. So from from the hillside you could see this bow hunting area that we were in and see this blind and I was down this pip line this day and I think I was hunting uh wildebeest and there was a I called the rogue buffalo this cape buffalo that came in he was a single male like four years old they said and he must have like got wind of us or something I don't know um but he knew that we were in that pit blind and he did not want us in there. And it's just this small little stone hut that's, like I said, it's built like three quarters away in the ground. You've got these windows that are just above the ground, big enough for you to shoot a bow out of. Um, and then it's got this little staircase that you walk down to get into it. And there's like this old wooden rickety door on it. It's got this little window and they've got like a piece of cardboard or something over the little hole in the door to look out, um, you know, so the light doesn't shine in. So you don't have that shadow on your, you're not, they're not seeing you through the window. Um, so that's covered up and it's got a little aluminum roof, like tin roof or whatever on it. And we're sitting in there and you can hear this Buffalo like kind of circling us. And then all of a sudden, like he just like tries to rip the roof off of this thing. And it was so loud because it's this tin roof, you know, and we're like, it's just this small area. It's probably like maybe a six by four, like area. It's, you're small, just sitting, there's a bench in there basically. And you're in this little box. So this thing's trying to rip the roof off and I'm about to shit my pants. And all we have is a bow, the, the PH that was with me, he didn't have a rifle or anything. So we're just sitting in there and I'm just like, holy shit. And he would like circle the little building and he was putting his eyeball like up to the window, trying to see us like peer in through the window. And it just took me back to like a scene in Jurassic Park where T-Rex is like 
under the car and he's like eyeballing the guy and like try you know that's what I feel like at this point I'm like this motherfucker is about to destroy us <laughs> and I grab my jacket that I'm not wearing sitting next to me and I literally like hold it up in front of my face so that he couldn't see me I was not going to make eye contact with this fool and he proceeds to keep trying to rip the the roof off this place comes around to the door part he's got his head like hanging over the stairwell and he just rams the door like with his horn it knocks that piece of paper off the hole or cardboard or whatever it was and I mean I'm like freaking out and I had I could connect to wi-fi on my phone to the main house like it, it, their signal strength was that good and I sent a message to my buddy Matt's wife who was up there um, hanging out. She was just along for the trip. And she happened to be up by the pool so she could see where we were at. And I'm like telling her that there's this rogue buffalo and he's like trying to kill us. So a couple seconds later, I hear Rhonda, like she's like yelling um, at the buffalo. She's like, buffalo! buffalo like yelling from the (laughs) this buffalo isn't doing anything and and he the ph that was with me tells her to you know radio someone to let them know like that the situation's happening so um a few minutes later it seemed like forever because this buffalo was pretty relentless like he wanted to murder us um this guy comes flying in on one of those like Land Rover deals, like your quintessential safari Jeep thing that you picture when you think of going on a safari in Africa. So he comes like bouncing across the, you know, the rocks and stuff, like flying into this area right up on the Buffalo and gets in between the Buffalo and our little um, blind that we're in. And we're sitting in there and he calls the PH and, they have a conversation and the ph looks at me he's like okay he's like just leave everything here he's like we're gonna have to make a run for it and i'm like (laughs) we're gonna make a run for it so i'm like looking out this window like oh fuck i'm like i'm glad i ran track man so i'm like hopefully i'm still somewhat fast i don't know i'm gonna make it to this truck as quickly as possible so uh i can see the buffalo on the other side of the truck and I literally just like booked it out the door, like ran to the, what is our driver's side, you know, here on the, on their trucks is the passenger side. So like I run and I jump in the passenger seat and about the time that I got in and shut the door, that Buffalo charged the truck from the driver's side. So the opposite side and rammed the truck with his horns under the like the wheel well of the driver's side and kind of lifted us off the ground almost like he got his horn in there and just like it slammed the truck and I'm just like holy fuck oh my god Matt is gonna be so jealous like he was not (laughs) here for this like he's never gonna believe what just happened this is like the craziest thing ever and um yeah the ph ran and he like got on the back of the truck and then we drove off and um yeah it was freaking wild jeez still, it still makes me excited just thinking about it. i mean it was a total adrenaline rush which 
I'm all about. So, but I mean, I didn't want to die by the hands of a rogue Cape Buffalo, but I did hear they ended up having to shoot that exact Buffalo. Like, I don't know if it was a month later or something. I think he like tried to run down one of the farmhands, like went after, Gee. went after one of the workers on the farm there. So they ended up, they ended up shooting him. I wish I you weren't yeah gonna be the one to shoot him <laughs> right we kept we kept threatening to shoot him all week after that especially <laughs> especially my buddy matt <laughs> they're so dangerous though like that's yeah. probably one of the most dangerous animals over there oh yeah for sure and actually the first day um that we were there like our first day of hunting i went to this area i don't remember what i was hunting that day but we got in this blind and it wasn't one of the pit blinds that I was telling you about. This blind looked like an outhouse, like made out of tin. And it was, you know, circular and had just some small windows in it. And it was like, I mean, it looked like you could like kick it over and we get inside this thing and I'm just like in there and I'm like looking around like, man, like this is not going to protect you from some, some of these big shit. animals. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, <laughs> so I asked the PH then, I was like, uh, what if like some Cape Buffalo come in here? And he's like, oh, there's not Buffalo in this part of the, you know, whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense because they would definitely tear this fucking thing down. And this is before the thing, this is before that whole incident even occurred. So this was already like a thought in my head was how, you know, how strong are these structures? And um, and then like two seconds later, this whole herd of Cape Buffalo comes in to this water hole. And, you know, I mean, they're like 20 feet out in front of us and they're drinking around this water hole. And I, my heart was racing and he was like, it's okay, you know? but um and we just sat there and I took pictures of them and you know they stayed there for probably 20-30 minutes drinking water and then they all left but I mean I was scared like other because that was my like the first animal I saw on the trip and wasn't one that I was going to shoot but and you hear all these crazy stories about them on how dangerous they are yeah that's what I'm like yeah I'm I'm glad that I have that story to tell and that I live to tell about it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's a little more important that you can tell it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because they, they, between them and hippos, they kill a lot of people. Yeah, I definitely would not want to get anywhere near a hippo. The people that bow hunt those things, they're crazy. Actually, they're kinda, massive. Oh, they're absolutely giant. Speaking of, you, you were actually the one that sent me about Connecticut trying to get rid of the six big game animals yeah like yeah again in california of course they tried that too yeah but yeah that's why you know i see a lot of that stuff when i was in africa um cecil the lion was shot same time i was there and it was crazy because we had no idea that was going on because literally um you know the doctor that shot cecil or whatever is like under fire but he was literally hunting the exact same time that I was hunting. So when we got back and we were posting pictures from our hunt, you know, of, of our kills timing. and stuff there, oh man, I, 
I got blown up by PETA, by all kinds of people. I mean, there were like different groups and stuff like Hunt the Hunters and they were sharing my social media pages to their groups and then telling these people to come fuck with me. So I like all of a sudden one day, my inbox just started blowing up with messages. People tell me they're going to murder me and like, you know, that I should die and go fuck yourself and cunt, cunt, cunt. Like that was like the favorite one from the Europeans. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it just, it got crazy. I was like, what? The? And it was all because of the whole Cecil lion and the timing of it, I think. But I mean, you still get that every once in a while, but. Which I mean, is kind of just... a miscommunication anyways. Yeah. And that's kind of why it kind of started here anyways in Connecticut is because that's why they're trying to ban the the big six here is because of the whole Cecil thing him being from Connecticut and then it kind of put into the whole eyes of that but with talking to a, a buddy of mine um who's actually a PH was it was because he was with a young PH and he got scared when they had killed Cecil because it had a collar on him and instead of calling in the collar when it being part of obviously studies and stuff that PH freaked out and threw the collar off of him and then he ended up getting in trouble because he got rid of that collar. Do you get what I'm saying? So like, yeah, you, even though they hunted it legally, it was 100% legal. Yeah. Yeah. And he just went about it wrong. I know. Well, people are afraid to hunt and do anything these days legal or not just because of, you know, all the crazies I, out there. I mean, look at you getting attacked for doing something that, you're legally allowed to be doing you know what i'm saying yeah yeah that's why i mean i try to promote everything and do everything as ethically as possible or not to not to post anything or share stuff with non-hunters that i feel would hurt the hunting community if i felt that anything i were going to post were going to hurt the hunting community i'd assume not post it and I'm not afraid to tell other people that I think you're a dickwad if you post something and it's like just, you know, really graphic or whatever it is. I mean, I get it, but I don't agree with rubbing it in people's faces that are supporting us being non-hunters that may turn them off to hunting, you know, because there's just things that have like some kind of shock value to it. And, um, I don't know, some of those things I just, I look at and I, like, it shocks me, like seeing it, like, why would you share that with people like that, you know, aren't necessarily involved in hunting in any way, because everything's public. It's not just, you're not just sharing it with friends that hunt or other hunters. So No, that just brings up a, a really good point, actually. And that's one of my ultimate pet peeves, not throwing names or profiles or anything out there, but there is nothing worse than someone who claims to be a supporter of hunting, a supporter of the outdoors that will turn around and take those pictures and basically hand them to PETA and say, go ahead and harass us and try to shut us down. Now here's mm -hmm. your ammo. Let me yeah. give you the ammo and then turn around and say, I'm a conservationist. Yeah. There's a lot of people like that, unfortunately. And like, there's like this trend now with, um, all these crazy photos on social media and what people find acceptable. And I mean, 
I have a really good sense of humor. I'll laugh about anything. I, you know, there's not much I won't laugh at, but, um, like there's just some things like the selfies and stuff laying down. Oh um, yeah. That one irritated me as well. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people that don't agree with me. They think it's funny. They like it. I think some of the pictures are funny too. They're funny to other hunters, but they're not funny to people that don't hunt. It's a shock value thing. It's disrespectful to the animal that you've just taken its life and you're, you know, it looks like you're making fun of it in a way, like just really making light of something that you should take very seriously like the honor of being able to hunt your own food and um go after a wild game the way we do and have people that don't hunt support us in doing that like let's not turn them off to it and be like you know what these guys are taking it a little too far i'm gonna lean more towards no hunting than hunting like, yeah well and there's a difference too you can reach out hunter to hunter and say hey congratulations you probably should rethink what you do next time. Yeah. You know, give them a perspective as a hunter. Don't blast that out and say, here, everyone in the world, look at them and make fun of them or whatever yeah. your thoughts are. Cause that only hurts the hunting community. Absolutely. You know? And there's a couple of groups there that have very big following and they literally are attacking the wrong people. And those people are followed by the wrong people. So, for example, we got blasted on a picture that I posted and they put it on in front of all of these people and literally every single anti from all over completely attacked me over some stupid photo. And it wasn't even that bad. Yeah, it wasn't. Was it was photo. Can you tell? I'm curious. <laughs> so it interest. was it was a doe picture. So when I went down to Virginia, um, we hunted public together. I shot a doe. It was me and Steven and Steven was blowing a kiss to the deer and they ripped us up to the point I had to remove it. And like, it was bad. Like I, we, it wasn't even like the picture wasn't even that bad. I was blowing a kiss to the deer. Like, I love you. Thank you. This is great. Because we had hunted together a handful of times and weren't successful. So like we were just happy and we were just making a joke like it was kind of like funny. It was not like we were ridiculing. Like it was, the deer was properly placed and everything like that. And Steven was just blowing a kiss to it. And, oh, it got so bad. And every anti jumped on my shit and it sucked so much. Like I was just like, so all these antis follow this. Like that's who's following these people just waiting for hunters to do something wrong. Like I just yeah, couldn't believe it. They're literally feeding PETA. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah, that seems pretty harmless too to make a big a big deal out of that it was completely stupid it was kind of like you know like the other thing that you sent me about all the waterfowlers shooting a 40-man limit of speckle bellies like really that should be ridiculed that should be taken to a whole new level i don't know who'd want to show up to an outfitter and think that they had your best interest in mind when you show up and there's 39 other people on a firing line with you i mean just that's just so unsafe i and i don't know i just but how does that look as as us coming from the hunting community like that doesn't look good when you take a picture of that many 
birds. You know what I'm saying? Like that yeah. they're literally massacring flocks on flocks in one area. That's not that's not part of conservation. No, and that's how I view it too. That's what's like if you're gonna do that every day. I mean, sure you could, but like, why would you? And I really, I really doubt that they're actually decoying birds so how much fun is that hunt really if you're just you know shooting everything flying over you and you know you don't experience the hunt like if you want to go hunt with an outfitter you should get the you know you should get 100 from those outfitters and if they hunted with someone that knew what they were doing versus you know um just you know, these guys that are, I think all they're thinking about is the money aspect of it or whatever it is, because that's really what it comes down to. That's nuts. So like in Connecticut, we're only allowed six people on the blind at a time. That's it. That's the law. It should be a law. I mean, and with us, there's never, you know, I would say more than 12 people at a time in, in any field. And that's even during conservation, you know, so it just gets on um, and that's a and that's a lot most most groups are like six to eight you know on average i would say that's a lot though that's a lot of shooting how do you know it what is. bird that you're shooting like on a on a law standpoint like you hear some of these stories and some of these other like waterfowl podcasts and stuff when guys that get jammed up like the guy those toe tag um you know they get jammed up for stupid little things and it'd be like well whose bird was whose or you know, and the judge will literally say to him, like, if you don't know what bird you're shooting, you should only have one person shooting at a time. Yeah. Like, so how are you doing that with 40 people? And how good does that actually look when obviously and birds of all. They're very things, proud of it. <laughs> They're very I don't, proud of it. <laughs> I don't get that because like, as like with birds and stuff, like there's way more PETA people watching on birds than they do on any big game out there. Like. I know at least here, like if we get like, uh, say a white fronted goose or a speckle belly, or we had a pink footed goose here for a while or canvas back or whatever, there'll be like 35 people with cameras following this stupid bird around our entire state, like wherever it is. And you show up to that place and there'll be like 35 people taking pictures of that one bird. So could you imagine you're in Connecticut? So there's probably well, a lot of bird watchers easy, up there. Easy, yeah. Easy. yeah. yeah. <laughs> This is the truth. This is the truth, but true story. It's just nuts, you know, and why would you put that that eye out there for, you know, for everybody else to see, you know? It's just ridiculous. I don't know. I'm sure that the the feds have to be like watching this stuff because like if that were my job and I were seeing this as like some new trend of, you know, having that many people in a field, they're not doing everything like they should. There's no way. I don't know. It, the thing I mean, is you could, but I mean, I don't know. The feds don't play no games. Like, I know a story of a guy that guided here in Connecticut, but also guided in Canada. And literally, um, this guy was – the fed was friends with him for three years. Went to his his wedding. The kids played together. The whole nine yards. It went on for a three-year investigation, and they literally checked off every little thing that he did. Like, if they shot over their limit – he would check that down or the fed would go up to shoot and that guide would actually shoot the bird and he would shoot to the right hand side so that that guide was over the limit. And they literally checked it every single time. And then they ended up raiding him. So like, if you think that, that 
you're not being watched when you're a guide like that, you're out of your mind, especially when you're doing stuff like that. You know that somebody there is going to be the law. And there's a lot of people that are under underground when it comes to that. Oh, stuff. yeah. Oh, there's a lot of people that get in trouble, you know, um, in waterfowl hunting, which is like pretty new to me. I mean, I didn't grow up waterfowl hunting. That wasn't that wasn't my thing. In s- Southwest Ohio, there's really not a whole lot of waterfowl. Um, and most people, you know, are just deer hunters and whatever down here. So, um, when I met my husband and like, that was like what he was known for, um, you know, like we connected about whitetails and stuff, but, but his, like his whole life has been built around waterfowl hunting, which was totally foreign to me. Um, and yeah, and then just, it's just seeing the dick measuring contest that it is, is quite hilarious. Um, it's in bad. some areas. Yeah. That's real bad. It's like it's the white tails in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> it was a well-kept secret for a while though. Ohio. Till Trev went there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Till he doesn't stop talking about on his podcast. Sorry. No worse than any other podcast that hunts anywhere else. That's true. Every other pod, I think podcasts ruined public land hunting all across the, across the board. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I would test to that, but definitely social media and Facebook. Um, and you know, I feel, yeah, YouTube. Um, I know I've been, uh, running a page on Facebook that at one point we had, you know, I don't know, 25,000 um, followers on a Facebook shutter page down it was antler addiction 365 oh, and yeah. it's uh-huh. all of shed hunting so then we had to start antler addiction 365 2.0 um, because Facebook just shut the page down because they didn't agree with you know what we were posting community standards bullshit you know oh come because, on big tech doesn't censor yeah yeah, well, apparently shed antlers are very offensive. So, I mean, that was all it is. But you can't post anything anymore without someone asking what county, where'd you find it? Like, they're going to pinpoint down to where you found this. And then, you know, they're going to try to go in those areas. And like, this happens to people all the time. And that's why, you know, anymore, if you're smart, you just shut your mouth about your deer, your sheds, whatever. I don't know. And just don't talk about it and don't post about it. Um, and yeah, if you're smart. <laughs> Which I'm not. you're not. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never well, figure out where I was anyway, so it doesn't really matter. We were in Ohio. We were in Ohio. Pictures, it. man. If you're, it, I didn't post a single picture or really, um, tell anyone about the deer I hunted this year I mean I just kind of learned that the hard way um but like until until I shot my buck until he was on the ground I never posted any pictures of him or showed any trail cam photos of him because in the past that's people have stolen trail cam photos posted them as their own and you know then somebody's tagging me like this guy I actually had a guy that was like a co-host of a tv show on an outdoor channel that took a picture of my buck and posted it on his instagram on facebook claimed that it was um you know a deer in kentucky that they could hunt at an outfitter 
um, you know, that it was free range or whatever, but like it was one of their trail cam photos, like trying to sell hunts for an outfitter in another state using pictures of my deer, like, dude, get fucked. And I sent this guy a message. I wish I still had screenshots of it because I did <laughs> screenshot. I did take a screenshot of it at the time because I'm just such a smart ass and I can't remember what I said to him, but it was like the bitchiest message. Like, you're a fuck stick that's my fucking deer. Like I have his shed. Here's another picture. Here's another picture of him. Like you're an idiot. Then I contacted the TV show that he was on and told them how big of a fuck stick he was. Um, and then the guy took his message down, but he did respond back. Um, and he was like trying to be a hard ass. And I was like, you're a little bitch. You'll never shoot a deer like that. <laughs> why would he do something like that like the the hunting community is such a small community when it really boils down to it you don't think that somebody's not gonna see that like uh yeah it's like taking the picture of that seneca county deer in ohio that that guy just found the deadhead and you know it's like that like if you ask anybody in the shed hunting community about my shed they know about it like i mean i could post that picture and anybody that knows whitetail shits knows that shit i'll comment on it and there'll be certain people um that that will consistently comment like that's my favorite like mainframe four point like shed you know or it's kind of it's kind of cool like when people say that because i'm like wow that's that's really neat like and these are collector people they're um just like diehard shed hunters we had a kid here, okay, in Connecticut, big shed hunter, like known from all over, moose sheds, this, that, and the other thing. Like, real cool. Had him on the last podcast. Cool kid, man. Finds a lot of sheds. The kid is nasty. I am not going to take that away from him any way, shape, or form. But he is not nasty anymore. He, The hype got to him so much. He literally went online and bought two sheds. He wanted a drop-time shed, so he bought a drop-time shed, and then he bought another mainframe uh five five drop big one giant right way bigger than anything that was ever found here buys both of these sheds on ebay drops them in the woods goes and finds one of them facetimes me when he finds this thing like almost crying in tears dude it was a drop time one freaking out oh my god trev i found this giant giant shed so I fall for it. I'm like, dude, that's the coolest thing ever, man. Congratulations. So happy for him. This, that, and the other thing. Post pictures all over the place. Three, four days later, he goes and he finds the other shed. Well, then it ends up on Shed Hunter. It ends up on all these places. <laughs> you know just as well as I do, these dudes are die hard about antlers. If it had a kicker on one side and that thing was on the internet at one shape, form, any time, they know about that shed, right? Oh, they yeah. tore into this kid. They're like, you piece <laughs> of shit. You bought that online. I know you did. They sent the screenshot of the eBay thing, the whole nine yards. This kid now has zero credibility anywhere. Will never go on the internet ever again. He had like his own like little like YouTube TV show. People followed him from all over because he was like the big moose shed hunting guy, this, that, and the other thing. Did all kinds of stuff for the state. Like, talking about moose and this not anymore you'll never see him ever again like why would you do that like people know people people do it all the time all the time 
why would that hype get to you so much that you're going to ruin everything that you've ever built ever? Well, there's a lot of people that try to pass off like farm sheds as free range. Oh yeah. And, but then there's, there's so many assholes out there that comment high fence on, on my shed all the time. Some dickwad will do that. Like, or pass me at like an outdoor expo or something where I have the shed and you know everybody wants to come up and see it or whatever they'll come up and be like oh that's a high fence deer yeah I'm like yeah dude get the fuck out of here <laughs> like I don't even want to talk to you it's like you don't even know that's but, crazy yeah it, it didn't come crazy. it came from Iowa it didn't come from Ohio right I'm in Iowa <laughs> that's crazy so how was it growing up in ohio and chasing big bucks like that's obviously what you grew up doing well i didn't grow up hunting but i was always around hunting my dad hunted my brother hunted but it was kind of more of a boys club kind of thing and i always enjoyed the outdoors i mean and i wanted to go you know help my brother recover a deer or do whatever you know but um yeah i never really wanted to get into it until I was in my twenties and then I think I was just like, I was done partying and all that and was kind of like, there's gotta be more to life than this. And I don't know, my dad was talking about going to the farm um, and going hunting one fall. And I was just like, I want to go, let's go. You know, I'd like, I'd go and I'd sit in the stand and stuff with them or sit in the blind and just, you know, spectate or whatever. But yeah, at that point, I was just like, hmm, yeah, I want to shoot a deer. <laughs> so went uh, during shotgun, um, shot my first whitetail. And then I was, as soon as I, as soon as I shot that deer and like went through the whole experience, like, of you know, just the hunting, the camaraderie, and then being able to process the deer and take meat home. I thought that was so cool. And, uh, and then I realized that the hunting season was like really short, you know, you could only hunt for shotgun for like a week and then like another weekend. And then there was muzzle loader. but I uh, realized that you could hunt with a bow like year round. So like immediately I just like went and bought a bow <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to bow hunt because Good now enough. I can, I can hunt for like four months instead of like a week and a half. Um, and that's just, it's like the addiction just grew like overnight. I mean, after I shot the first whitetail, it was just, it was on and I've like just dove in head first and tried to learn as much as I could about everything and then got really independent with my hunting. And, you know, I wanted to show the guys up basically at our hunting camp, like my dad and, you know, all that. <laughs> and, uh, well, they would all give me so much shit and called me skirt and stuff at camp. And I'd be the, you know, the only female there and be like 10 guys usually at camp and we had a few thousand acres to hunt on so there was always a decent amount of people there and um <clears throat> yeah I just I would ended up going hunting I was hunting by myself and there was a guy that lived up around the farm I was a crazy turkey hunter like just and like an amazing turkey hunter and he took me under his wing when I wanted to hunt turkeys and and then I like got addicted to turkey hunting and I was like yeah, um yeah I don't know it was just it was a snowball effect and then I was like what else can I do like this is awesome like 
now I've got venison and I've got turkey and like, but you kind of run out of stuff to hunt in Ohio that you can eat besides rabbits and squirrels and stuff. You guys do have the biggest red squirrels I've ever seen in my life. Fox red, Eastern fox. Those things are insane. They are. You know what? It's funny because I'm glad you said this because my husband, he always gives me shit because I'm talk about the squirrels up in Alberta that we have. They're like the size of a chipmunk. I mean, they're so small. And I'm like, gosh, I was like, it's like, these are the smallest squirrels ever. And he's like, they're just regular size squirrels. I'm like, no. They're like fucking little. <laughs> like they just look like chipmunks. And like, and I guess maybe because he's just never seen how big these squirrels are. So, when I've, so when I first sat in stand and one of them fucking squirrels came out the tree, I thought a T-Rex was going to eat me. Like I was like, what in the <laughs> world is that thing? Like, what is it doing here? That is not normal. That is not a normal animal. Because we have little gray squirrels like you probably have. It's that is not that thing is inbred with a fucking t-rex get that thing away from me i was afraid of it i really was if but, you were afraid of those you'd really be afraid of the squirrels that my parents have here at their house they've got these albino squirrels no so they're, they're big squirrels and they're like solid white with red eyes they're fucking freaky looking yeah <laughs> I been around my years. that's yeah. nuts so yeah. how was it a how was it being a girl growing up in an all boy area? Like, cause like, like me growing up. Right. So like, if you would go to hunting a hunting club or whatever, it would be no women allowed. It would be no, no women. No, no yeah. like, and you, and you were obviously, yeah. And you were obviously at the beginning of the curve of all of this, the, the women taking over the hunting industry. Yeah, I don't know. I never really thought about it too much. I just like when I started doing, it, I just kind of did. I didn't really care that it was mostly guys. I mean, and then when I started meeting other women that were That's like cool. in the same thing, I was like, oh man, this is cool. Like, there's some other badass chicks out there that enjoy talking about hunting, and it was kind of weird at first to meet and hear other women talking about deer hunting and actually like know what they're talking about. And um, yeah, that was kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, I definitely grew up in an area where you know, uh, opening day of hunting season, like half your school's gone. Cause you know, all the guys I went to school with, like everybody hunted. Um, so I think now, like a lot of those people think it's really cool that I hunt, um, you know, that, that I grew up with that also hunted, you know, I mean, they think it's cool that girls are getting out and doing it. And I think it encourages other women to do it. And might encourage their wives or their girlfriends to go out and enjoy the great outdoors and experience it for themselves too. I've been saying this forever is that women are the, the you know, they're the front of the haunting industry. I think that they're going to be like the, the change of it because like if, if the woman of the household is hunting, then the children are obviously going to follow to that. So that's going to put bigger numbers of hunters out there, you know, which in honesty, the only thing that's going to save this is women hunters, honestly. And, and that's, I don't yeah. know. I've always thought that. Absolutely. I think that's because a great not, point. Because, you know, you see all the women, like there's the huntresses and obviously whatever big whoop de do, but there's like badass chicks that go out and hunt. And those are the ones that are going to change the hunting industry, honestly. Yeah. And I actually think there's a lot more women um, that hunt than we 
really even hear about or know about mm -hmm. because um you know i think it's really it's like geographical like where i live in alberta now like a lot of women hunt you know and like mm -hmm. a lot of people live off the land but those people aren't socially like out there you yeah, know they, they're they not... could care less that's how they live <laughs> yeah and one of my best friends um she grew up in alaska her dad was one of the original master guides um she grew up hunting um and knows an, an extreme amount of women that do some of the most like amazing hunting um and you know i've gone like after all of North America's big game animals with a bow, some of these women you've never even heard about. And they're not on Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, they're, they're not out there trying to, you know, get anything out of it. Like they're just doing it because they, they want to do it. But, you know, the people that are, you know, doing stuff like you're saying, like they don't even know what a North American slam is. Um, I mean, I don't know what they're going to be. They know one kind of slam. It that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, but there is. There's like so many women out there that I know of that are like total badasses, and like no one's ever heard their name. You know, they're not mentioned in anything, and and they're probably never even doing a podcast. I mean, I don't know. You know, maybe they are. I've never if they're out them. there and anyone knows them send them our way <laughs> yeah seriously i mean those are some people i like you really would to. have some crazy stories mm -hmm. for sure so we do have one question you probably already know the answer or you've thought of the answer anyways um what drives you outdoors <laughs> uh my sanity <laughs> my sanity is See, what she did think about it because because she that was quick Trust me, I knew you were going to ask me that, but I was like, that's a great question. Um, and I could have thought about, there's like a million things that drive me outdoors, but it's definitely the, where I go to escape reality, the world, work, life, whatever it is, when you just need to shut everything off and just, you know, let everything go. Let's to get outside oh yeah well real quick where can everybody find you how can they get a hold of you follow you um you can uh find find me on instagram at uh, queen of the tree stand and same on facebook.com queen of the tree stand uh, and then our website is top of the flyway.com it's where you find out all of our hunting and booking information or outfitting business it's top hopefully of the flyway all, outfitters hopefully it all opens back up so you guys can take on some clientele this year oh man praying our i mean our bear camp's full so good <laughs> if that if the borders don't open um you know it's just gonna be kind of a real nightmare again because we've already we already pushed our bear camp from 2020 to 2021 so now these people if it gets pushed again, it could be another year, you know, we're just going to look at like canceling oh. the hunts. We're not going to run our baits and stuff. It's just so much work because we did all that last year, even with the border closed, we still kept all of our bait sites open and, you know, it kept doing what we had to do. 
to be successful outfitters and you know never know what the future holds but hopefully borders open by may that's what we're praying for well fingers crossed and we're pulling for you for sure yeah if, thank you if it doesn't open i'll uh i'll find a way to get up there and kill those bears for you just <laughs> i'll sneak over the border keep the population in check yeah with <laughs> definitely <laughs> we have so many bears it's crazy so yeah well outstanding staff Thank you again for joining us. Really appreciate hey. your time and the stories, you know, second to none. So <laughs> great. It was appreciate. awesome to finally talk with you guys. It's been oh, for long, sure. long awaited. Well, we'll definitely be in touch. There's uh, definitely opportunities down the road that I think we'll more or less be calling for you for, but <laughs> that's hey, just going to be yeah. gone. Trev needs a yeah, bear. definitely. Yeah, you guys <laughs> big Canadian definitely stay in stay in touch. We'll um, yeah, have to catch back up. Definitely. I don't think it'll be the last time neither, because I don't think that we got all the information that needed to get out out in this podcast. So we'll definitely have to. I know. I do feel like we there's a lot of stuff we didn't get to talk about. I That's all right. Go ahead and just just start taking notes. Jot down bullet points. <laughs> And uh, I almost did that before. I thought maybe I should because there's like, I don't know. Maybe that's what we had to do is do a takeover and we'll just be like, hey, we're here. You tell us what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, if there's there's enough things I can think of that we didn't cover. I know there's a lot. So, yeah, we'll have to do it again. Oh, I'm sure it's not like you're uh, not constantly out doing something. So. Yeah, I try to keep life interesting my gypsy ways, so. (laughs) Well, it works. So, again, thank you for your time. It's been fun. We'll definitely do it again soon. And for everybody out there listening, follow along with Steph's story. Check them out. Do what you guys do and give them some support, especially if we're able to really give them that support soon, hopefully, fingers crossed. And until then, thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive.